The Sporting Edge on Tip FM, funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. So joining me now on this week's edition of The Sporting Edge is an Olympic hopeful and a Clonmel native. Uh, it's Roar Dara Lynch. Dara, you're very welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Cheers for having me. Hey, so Dara, we uh, first time kind of properly speaking to you. I haven't delved into the, the the sport of rowing too much in terms of talking to rowers, but you yourself, you grew up down in Clonmel, went to CBS High School. How did you first kind of get get into the sport, the sport of rowing? Um. Well, I suppose you see the rowers in the high school all the time and you'd be driving over the bridge and you see the rowing and I suppose this seems like a different sport. So I, I like growing up, I had done cross country, like swimming, a bit of GAA, not really, wasn't really that good at it. Um, but yeah, the, I suppose the endurance sports, I was always pretty good at the running and swimming. And then um, once I started rowing, I kind of got obsessed with it pretty pretty quickly and it was the only sport really that I wasn't forced to do by my parents and then yeah it just kind of went a bit too far some say at some points I suppose like fifth year sixth year I got a bit too obsessed with it but uh yeah just uh everyone else went on the back burner from once I started around and when you started, what age would that have been? I presume down in, in Clonmel Rowing Club, obviously, is where you, you first got started. Yeah, uh, it was it was actually late enough in terms of rowing, but I think you're better off to go a bit later. You see some people be joining when they're about 12 and then every, they don't do any other sports from then on because it kind of takes up all your time. But I started, I think I was fif- 15 going on 16, maybe. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, you... Enough. you you clearly shot up the ranks anyway because you were competing in world championships and, and things like that. And it was I think it was at eighth you finished in the world junior championship. So it was a very quick yeah. development from coming in at yeah. fifteen to that was probably when you're seventeen or eighteen, maybe you were competing in that. Yeah, yeah. Seventeen, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, they did, but I I think I was I was doing a lot of training for the for the age I was at. Like after that first year or two I kind of um pack in so they gave me a key to the club so I go down by my own every morning um and train and then train again even with the rest of the team but yeah I remember that rowing club was freezing every morning but yeah, it, was, it was good and like that sounds you know that's that's an incredible that sounds like someone who's very dedicated but as you mentioned they're possibly even maybe obsessive about the sport when you first started it were you like instantly kind of good at it or what was the what kind of hooked you to the sport when you first kind of got into it um i i was never like ex- exceptional when i started but i was always pretty good i suppose um but what hooked me i don't know i guess it's just kind of a sport where you can because especially on the row machine you can see see yourself uh getting quicker like you can see yourself progressing very objectively but um I suppose I started training a lot because I thought everyone was doing it and then I thought they were all way ahead of me. And then it was that winter um, in fifth year where I just started training. I was doing whatever, 300 and something, 350Ks a week, which is like the mileage of what full-time athletes would be doing. So, and then obviously that summer, then I started racing and realized I got a big, big kick from that. So. 
Yeah, I'd imagine. So did you say it was 350k a week we were doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone has if they've gone on their own machine in their local gym and done maybe two kilometers, they'll know just how crazy <laughs> that is. So that yeah. is uh that's absolutely nuts. But uh um God, that's incredible. Like and how that'd be what twice a day you were saying COVID, COVID, yeah, so, yeah, every morning it'd be I'd I'd do twenty six K twice a day and then weights three times a week too. So Right, yeah. Surely. So you nearly yeah. from the I was always just falling asleep in class, like and <laughs> teachers. <laughs> I, they didn't like it, I don't think, but sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it definitely worked out in the end because uh, as I was going to come on to next, you, you got um, a scholarship over in Yale, which is you know one of the, if you ask anyone in, in the world to nearly name five colleges, Yale might, might likely be one of those five. So talk to us about how that kind of came about and your time over there. Um. Yeah, that, like my parents were not on board at all with that. Um, they wanted me to go to college in Ireland. So I kind of just started messaging, um, messaging the colleges myself and sending over my scores and all that sort of stuff. And it happened very quickly. So like they kind of have a thing going with these like private schools in England where they just get guys from the same school every year, like two guys from that school, two guys from this school, all that sort of stuff. So... Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they didn't really have they don't didn't really have anyone from Ireland really going over at that time but uh, I just started messaging them and then um, it was Harvard and Yale I was messaging um, and then I did this very very quickly just got my scores and then next thing I know like a week later they flew me over to visit the campus and then I submitted my application and all that sort of stuff and then Got in, so I actually I was actually accepted before leaving cert. So, like scores I got in leaving cert wouldn't have even mattered. So, which is which is actually kind of weird, but <laughs> I'd say motivation so for the leaving cert was probably quite low at that yeah, time. But, yeah. So still all right, but um, I because I was obviously worried that they would that they would take the leaving cert and then go, oh, you're actually rejecting it. But yeah, um, that's how it worked out, anyway. And then over there as a, oh yeah really really enjoyed it like the rowing wasn't nearly as serious but the team like the team uh over there was it was a lot of fun like i definitely don't if i had stayed here i think and just rode all the time i could have driven myself into a bit of a hole if i was on the same trend i was on before it even i kind of give you gave me a perspective like a bit more perspective on the whole thing that you should actually enjoy it a bit more too um like yeah it was, a, it was a lot of fun over there yeah that sounds very like, like it kind of changed right i don't need to go 100 yeah. percent at it every minute of the day that to mix up a bit of more enjoyment and change your kind yeah. of perspective coming back yeah and like you see you guys over there like it's a very very successful team so it kind of makes you realize how big the team aspect of it is because um i don't know how many olympians come out of yale but a lot at the moment like i'd, I'd say it's definitely the highest over in america um a good few of my friends are going to be going to paris um but when you're over there like yeah you go out or we go out still like twice a week like really enjoy ourselves and stuff and just create a very very good team atmosphere and i think that's definitely something that's very important yeah no definitely and like when you were over there are you doing a course over there as well is it or what's the what was that what did that kind of consist of yeah, so with those colleges, the Ivy League, uh, technically, like they don't give you scholarships because they're meant to be just academic kind of job. But 
so they don't really recognize they're not overly helpful anything with your sports so like say you don't get any benefits really to being an athlete over there yeah as you would like say in some of the i think the state schools where you pretty much just go over to do your sport like they weren't and um the coaches would be very so we we didn't like our training program wasn't wasn't uh, strict at all i'd say we did i'd say we're doing about a quarter of training we're doing right now like our training at the moment is crazy compared to what we were doing yeah yeah so you, right now you're you're over in italy at a training camp uh with the with team ireland as we're talking to you but just a bit about uh, rowing in general before we kind of get into um the aspects of the, the world championships and things like that like talk to me a bit about um the kind of differences you kind of rowing on your own now you're kind of rowing in a, in a team in the double skulls things like that like what's the strategy is there in like i'm very much new to this so this could be very basic stuff but in terms of the which person goes at the front which person goes at the back just talk to me about different kind of aspects of, of that stuff um yeah so in college it's pretty much only eight man boats but then internationally you can row like the so you either have one or two oars and so with the two oars you can row by yourself a two-man boat or four-man boat and then the eight and then with two or with one oar you can row two-man four-man or an eight-man boat um but so college you only have one oar but here um i row with the two oars um and how you get into that honestly i think just happens like you is said, there like, is there like, much like that there, that's obviously a big difference is it in terms of rowing with two and rowing with one yeah yeah definitely like but how i i suppose when you when you start off you'll always have the two like when you learn throw you'll always be rowing with the two oars out, out by yourself and stuff like that but um then naturally i'd say as you get older some people kind of just transition like it's more historically like the eight-man boat with the one oar like that's the uh, big team part of the rowing but um like i don't know how, how you actually i don't know how people end up being like you can switch between two fairly yeah. fairly and i'd say it's more it's easier to switch from a two two if you can know how to use the two hours like you're going to be a lot better at the one or relative to one or come into two hours and are you focusing now like you're you're would you be strictly like just two hours and on, yeah. on the two-man yeah. boat like that's yeah. what you're focusing I mean, now yeah, and the majority of our time you'd be spent um, in the two in the two man boat uh, with the with the with Phil who I'm rowing at the moment, and obviously you. Uh, but then, like, say you do a trial, you'd race a lot of time. We'd all race each other in the one man boat, and then you kind of get a bit of ranking, and then uh, go into the two man boats. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's such a kind of a different world to me. So I'm very kind of much uh, new, new to the whole thing. But you mentioned Philip there. Your Philip Doyle is your your uh, kind of partner at the minute. Um, in the boat, you qualified for the got the boat qualified for the Olympics at the World Championships in Belgrade last September. Uh, finished third at the World Championships. Um, you know that that's a, a huge achievement and you know a bronze medal at the World Championships and qualifying for Olympics. Like that must have been a kind of a, a very satisfying time for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was a tough time over there because it was a long regatta, like it was a week long. So you have your heat and then quarter semifinals, but the the it was top eleven qualified. So that race to get into that top twelve, the quarter final was definitely very. You start questioning where you are, even though deep down we knew we were definitely good enough to be in the final at least. Um, but yeah, it was a good race. Um, and just also only coming back in March. 
it was a huge uh like i when i initially came back in march i was thinking hopefully i'll make a boat never mind getting a a world championship medal so and when you say came back you had uh, did you take a break or or what was the story there um i was working over in new york for a year um after i graduated in 2023 i I stayed in new york to work for like a bit over a year and then like i was a bit boring so i started training again uh in the gym over there uh on the row machine like morning and evening and i started getting fit again so and i i emailed the boys back here and then i came back and it was pretty seamless entry into the boat so it's yeah. nice you're very pre- yeah. <laughs> you've a very proficient record with the emails anyway they seem to be getting you into, <laughs> into good spots but uh the um so you so you take a break from it and uh do you know did that did that break kind of reignite a, a bit of love like was was olympic ambitions was that was that there during that year was it always in the back of your head or did you completely forget about it and then suddenly you just kind of came back all at once or, or how did that work um like I'd say if if I had a job that was that I that I liked a bit more and was a bit more demanding I probably wouldn't have ever actually come back because I wouldn't have had the time and I probably wouldn't have had like been looking for something else so it was more so like my job was I was like sure there's more sure there's more than this so I was I started training away again because I or maybe uh more maybe like you see a lot in sports like you just can't really get away from them so I suppose something was missing maybe and started training away again. Then next thing you know, you're training too much again. You're back in Ireland. Yeah, and you're back um, <laughs> qualifying boats for the Olympics. So it's a pretty uh, quick uh, turnaround. But um, I want, like I, I still feel like there's so much I want to ask, but we're kind of running, running short on time. But um, talk to me a bit about the training. You're over there in Italy now doing a training camp. What does kind of general training into rowing uh, look like for, for at, at the level you're at? um like we train a lot to be honest a lot um it's it's a lot of it is long like it's a it's an endurance sport so it could be very long stuff like similar i'd say our mileage will be similar to what a cyclist or like triathlete and stuff would do but at the moment we kind of because we have these italians coaching us um they kind of focus a lot on intensity so but we'd still do another big long in the mornings. You do you'd be out in the water for two and a half, three hours, um, and that's every morning. And then three days a week, you'd have weights, and then another long session in the evening, and then the rest of the days you just have another long session in the evening. So I'd say a good four or five hours on a normal, and then with weights you do about six a day. So a lot of a lot of time, like it's almost full time job, and then on top of that you need to be eating like five six thousand calories so that's that's definitely a tough part in itself is the is the calories that you need to eat to keep on going yeah that's 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 incredible that's so much training and and so much eating and getting that much calories in isn't as easy as people might think in terms of oh that you know (laughs) never stop eating but it's that's that sounds very hard to get that much in but um you mentioned it's almost like a full-time job like is it a full-time job like would is this does this kind of can this provide finance for you or do you get covered that way or, or do you have to kind of keep a job going at the same time um so when i when i did come back initially um i kept my job because i i wasn't sure like i didn't want to go all in i kind of kept my job as in case i didn't in case it didn't work out here i could have just went back to the job but and then once we started doing well i went part-time in the job where I was, I was working like three hours but like it was three four hours a day but even at that like just 
absolutely wiped out like to be honest so um just in november there i stopped the job and um so with how sport ireland works is you get like government funding from sport ireland based on your results from the year before so the world championships are gonna provide me with funding but that doesn't uh kick in until april but then you get till the following april so yeah like i'll be i'll be sorted from april going on till okay that, april. yeah so you're, yeah. you're probably looking for looking forward to that uh april yes. to come around i'm sure but um yeah. Talk to us a bit about now, just finally looking forward for, for this year, as we mentioned, finishing third in the World Championships, qualified the boat for the Olympics, but it doesn't necessarily mean yourself and, and Philip will be the ones representing Ireland in that boat. Um, talk to us a bit about that kind of process and how, when will you know if you are going to be uh, selected for the Olympics and, and how does that that process uh, work? Um, so, like the coaches kind of like to keep this like keep it going for as long as they can really but like they did say at the start of the year that because it'd be it would have been a different story say if we had a finish like scrape qualification in 10th place or something then it was, uh, the boat would be more open but because we got the bronze medal like they're gonna be like we we can clearly show performances so they're gonna be a bit more reluctant to open it up but like we did a trial already it went pretty well back in january and so hopefully this March one, um, we can take the box and then focus on performing at races rather than performing internally. So you've a, you've so, a trial in March. Is that kind yeah. of the final the final one? Uh, they have it down as a final trial, but if needed, there there could be more. But yeah, hopefully hopefully that will be the final trial, and then we can go go and race in um, in uh, Verazzi at the World Cup. Yeah, in early April. Yeah, and uh, looking looking ahead, then um, you know, to the the summer and it's a, an Olympic year and the Olympics coming up. Like, geez, like what would that mean to to yourself to be able to, to go perform at the Olympic Games? Yeah, uh, it's exciting. Like it's exciting, but just I suppose what really keeps you uh, stops you thinking about it is that the training we're doing. It's just like getting through each day is a big big task so you just focus on getting each day done and like you're so tired that you almost don't really be thinking that much of it then you're just hoping that if you can get through this then we're going to be in a good in, in a good position come uh, come paris and also hopefully the extra time too seeing as like last year i only had a like five six i think five months with the team whereas now I'm already on a full year, so hopefully that will also um, kick in and help us get a good result over in Paris because, like, all the people we're competing have been against have been full-time for years, really. Like, the two guys who beat us over in uh, Belgrade at the World Champs, uh, like, they've got plenty of Olympic medals between the two of them, those two crews. So, like, they've been around for ages full-time and stuff, so yeah, hopefully that's, hopefully extra time we guess will will actually help. Yeah, and he seemed to be uh, making the most of that time out in Italy yeah. anyway. By the sound of things, uh, putting in putting in the hard graft. But Dar, it's been great talking Jay here today. Uh, wish you the very best of luck uh, in the year going forward, and uh, please God, we'll see you over in at the Olympics, and uh, we might get to talk to you before you head out then as well. Excellent. Cheers. Thanks a lot. The Sporting Edge on Tip FM, funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee.